0: And now then, we want to welcome all of our listeners, as we usually do, to the worship service of the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church, 1720 J Street. We hope that you have made listening a habit. And if you haven't, we know you'll be blessed today, and we hope you will assume the habit in the future. We're celebrating Black History Month. Our speaker today is Pastor Helvius Thompson who is the senior pastor of the Grace Temple Seventh-day Adventist Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Thompson was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He was educated in his early years in church school, beginning at age six in the very first grade, where his mother, a very devout Adventist and Bible worker, saw that he got a Christian education. Later he graduated from, you know where, Oakwood College at that time in 1968 and from there he pastored in Houston, Texas, Alexandria, Monroe, Fort Worth at another church other than the one where he now presides. Then to St. Petersburg and he became the conference evangelist in the central states conference. After that, Union Evangelist in mid-America where he conducted over 30 evangelistic campaigns and acquired a reputation as a high-powered, successful evangelist. In 1984, he was transferred to Southern California where he became the pastor of the Tamarin Avenue, Seventh-day Adventist Church, and uh, from there returned to the Southwest in Texas, where he pastored for many years the City Temple Seventh day Adventist Church, one of our best known congregations in all of the land. And then he went to the Ephesus Church in Louisiana, in New Orleans, and pastored the fourth of all the churches begun, all the black churches begun in the United States. Ephesus is one of the earliest of our congregations and was there during Katrina and helped to supervise the work as it had been devastated and our churches closed. He was the key person in arranging their rehabilitation and getting things back together. And then he was called to where he is now in Fort Worth, where he not only pastors the church, but he is the ministerial secretary of the conference. That means he is the pastor to all the other pastors, giving them training and nourish, nurture and encouragement. He's married to the former Janice Kelly, a native of New York City, and a, 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 an excellent musician. She has her own studio, all of that. His uh, children are grown and about their own business Four hearty, hale, successful young men. He has three grandchildren and is amongst other things an author. And this is the book I mentioned earlier titled The Handwritings of God. You have to get a copy. He has just 37 of them with him. If he runs out, he'll take your order, I'm sure. But this evening when he gives us our Vesper at five, his books will be available. I must tell you, Pastor Thompson, as I told Pastor Dosman last Sabbath, abundant life loves good preaching. We want you to open the word and we want you to let the Holy Spirit use you and we will listen and we will obey. God bless you as you bring us God's word today.
1: in life. I am thankful that the Lord opened the way for me to get out of that uh, snow in Dallas. We have never seen so much snow. Um, I preached here before in 2005. Then it was Katrina. And this time it was the snow. But every time I got here, <laughs> praise God. I uh, walked up to the counter and I told the lady, I've got to preach in Sada, I mean, I've got to preach in Las Vegas, and uh, she led me on the plane, praise God. Uh, I am so honored to be in the pulpit of Dr. Rock. Um, uh, Last time I preached, he wasn't here, I was a little more comfortable, but he's sitting here now, and I got to ask for the Holy Ghost, you are extremely privileged to have such a great man of God. I don't know many. Vice Presidents of the General Conference when they retire, that they're willing to grab a church. Amen, because these churches are tough. I can tell you, they ain't nothing to play with today. The saints can be tough, praise God. But God has blessed you with him, and I know that you are really enjoying his passion and his ministry to him, and enjoy him while you can. Praise God. I remember uh, when I was running a week of prayer uh, at Oakwood College and uh i was a bit younger in those days i could i was really animated you know and dr rock told me he said son using baseball analogy you can throw fastballs now but you just wait a little bit you are gonna have to throw curveballs and slowballs (laughs) i wanted to know i'm there now (laughs) praise god i heard a lady say that uh every time the preacher preached she'd meet him at the door and sell him use something else you're something else. So finally she stopped him and said, uh, I notice every time you read me, you tell me I'm something else. What you mean by that? She said, honey, you ain't no preacher. So you must be something else. <laughs> I pray God that uh, that's not the case. I heard a preacher friend of mine that called me the other day and told me there are two more signs that we have that the end of the world is near and the Lord is coming soon. I said, what are they? He said, we got a black man in the White House and the Saints won the Super Bowl. <laughs> if I could uh, resurrect my daddy, he'd never believe <laughs> that we got a black man in the White House and the Saints won the Super Bowl. Lord have mercy, I spent six and a half years down. If Las Vegas is Sodom, New Orleans has got to be tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> they are really swinging it down there and out at the St. Warning and, and uh, Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras going on. In there. I don't know whether I should tell this or not, but y'all have mercy for me. They tell me that um, you know, after Mardi Gras, you know, I don't know if y'all know about you know, Mardi Gras when you really get all your sins out. If you have them, You get them all out because the next day is Ash Wednesday when you repent <laughs> of all your sins. Well, these folk uh, got to repenting to the priest and uh, they would come in there all kind of ways, drunk and everything, using all kind of vile language. And so the priest got tired of it and he just told them, listen, if you committed immorality or whatever you did, just say you fell in the body. Just say you fell in the body." So for years, these people would come to confession, I fell in the bayou, I fell in- Well, that was all right, till the hall off and got a new priest, young priest, and he kept hearing these people talking about I fell in the bayou. And he was trying to figure out what in the world are these people talking about? So he went to the mayor, and he said, mayor, we gotta do something about these bayous because these people keep falling in the bayou and somebody's gonna get drowned. So the mayor said, oh, don't worry about these people down here, they use all kind of different languages describe stuff that you know. Don't worry about that, just ignore these people. He said, yeah, but your wife filling in the bayou the other night. <laughs> said, yeah, I guess we better fix these bayous." <laughs> Praise God. It is a joy and a pleasure to uh, be with you and bring you greetings from Southwest Region Conference and from um, the uh, Grace Temple Church. I'm, Actually, this is my second time pastoring uh, the Grace Temple Church. They don't usually let us Adventist preachers pastor the same church twice, you know. Uh, and uh, so be, the folk have been very marvelous and wonderful to me. It is wonderful too that you are observing uh, Black History Month and that it's a, a time when we can reflect on what God has done for us as a people. Jewish people will never let the world forget. What happened in the Holocaust. Well if they, don't, if they got a story. We should never let the world forget. What happened to us. Is that right? But more than that. How the Lord has brought us. Lifted us. Blessed us. And now that folks. folk. Don't even know how we got a white black man in the White House. The White House that black slaves built. Isn't that a story? Isn't that a story? God certainly is blessed. Let us pray as we open the word of God this morning. Our Father and our God, what a joy and a pleasure it is to gather with your people today, and I thank you, Lord, for opening the door and the highways to allow me to come and be here today. Now open your word, speak to our hearts, Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that will understand and comprehend the power of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Lamont Ellis, my wife, taught this young man how to play. Bless his heart. And uh, that is my good friend. And I start calling name my cousins there, Sissy and Pat. Glad to see y'all out there. Dr. Mrs. Hunley, good night. Glad to see y'all here today, and uh, I I know I'm gonna get in trouble. Let's go to the Word, Psalms chapter 137. Mm -hmm. Psalms chapter 137, verses one through four. I'd like for us to read that passage together, Psalms chapter 137. I know you've read it, you've heard it, and uh, it's a familiar passage. I'd like for us to look at it again, Psalms chapter 137 and verses one through four. And we will read it all together. We'll all read it together. Psalms 137 and verses 1 through 4. You have it? You have it? Let's read together. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive, required of us a song, and they that wasted us, Required of us murder. Sing, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? I want to talk about singing the Lord's song in a strange land. When I read this psalm, I just wonder if you heard what I heard. What did you hear in this poignant, powerful song? I tell you what I heard, it is the cry of the captive, the wail of the wounded, the moan of the miserable, and the last lament of a lost nation. Uh, This painful cry uh, emerges from this psalm passage, uh, almost like an abrupt scream in the stillness of the night. It seems out of place, and it's scriptorial neighborhood amidst the anthems of joyous praise that surround him. I tell you it's certainly no psalm of David the shepherd king and sweet singer of Israel. Rather the passion of this psalm reflects the painful and excruciating experience of a people who had been conquered, captured and chastised. God's chosen nation the promised seed of Abraham, the spiritual sons of Jacob, the people of Israel who had been divinely delivered from Egyptian bondage and had conquered the land of Canaan and who had prospered under the reigns of David and Solomon were now once again slaves and captives in a strange and foreign land. They stood helpless and horrified when they were enforced, when they were forced to endure the, the awful ordeal of siege and seizure from the enemy, the mighty armies of Babylon, led by the king and commander Nebuchadnezzar, violently invaded the city, broke down the walls, destroyed the temple, and took the remnant of Israel captive. The dreadful lamentation of the prophet Jeremiah had now become a terrible reality. His tears were now their tears. He had unceasingly warned them that the Lord would soon afflict Israel for the multitude of their transgressions. And now the affliction of judgment had come. You know, it's a terrible tragedy to be a captive or a slave. But it's worse still to be a victim of your own transgressions. Unlike the African slaves, Israel was the cause of their own captivity, it was their own sins that had made them slaves in Babylon. And now they found themselves in a strange and hostile land with an enemy who knew not God or regarded his word. And so this 137th Psalm passage paints the pathetic picture of a conquered, cut off people, cut off from their land, cut off from their homes, cut off from their families, cut off from their temple, and more tragically, cut off from their God. They were separated and stranded in an alien land with no hope of deliverance, no faith in the future, no song of salvation. So when I read this psalm, it made me wonder, how did Israel spend that first Sabbath enslaved in Babylon? How did they worship Jehovah on that first Sabbath? sabbath in babylon maybe the question should be how could they worship god when they were separated from the sanctuary with its solemn services and its festive feasts how could they sing the songs of zion without being in zion how could they praise the lord when they were in the pit of punishment how Could they worship when they were wounded in captivity? How could they offer sacrifice uh, uh, in the temple when the temple was no more? How could they celebrate in Zion when Zion had been destroyed? I wonder how would we worship on this Sabbath if our church building had been destroyed? Is all our religion tied up in this building? Uh, Could we find ourselves somewhere worshiping the Lord? Would we uh, be like John, just go by and find a place somewhere and worship the Lord? It seemed that uh, Israel's whole connection with Jehovah was destroyed with Jerusalem. Their entire religious experience seemed to be terminated with the obliteration of the temple. Their courage and confidence seemed to be concluded in their captivity and their sacred songs to God had ended in silence. So I thought that perhaps this 137th Psalm may be a description of the first Sabbath of captivity that Israel experienced in a strange land. Since they had no temple in Babylon to congregate in, they simply found a place or a park near the Euphrates River where they gathered. They gathered there not primarily to worship, but to weep. To weep unrestrained over their self-inflicted misery and the gloomy outlook of a never-ending captivity. Somebody among them must have been impressed to recall the hopelessness that they felt and the sorrow that they experienced on that first Sabbath of captivity in Babylon. And so a nameless writer declared that by the river Babylon. We sat down and wept as we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willow trees and sorrowed instead of singing. I can imagine this nameless writer saying that it was a beautiful Sabbath morning for the golden sun had risen to announce the dawning of this Sabbath day. The fluttering birds offered their symphonies of songs. The colorful flowers Lifted their heads in the sky and perfumed the air with their fragrance. The flowing river sparkled with dancing sunbeams. It was a beautiful Sabbath morning by the banks of the river, but we were a long way from home. It can never be so lovely, but there's no place like home. I heard him saying, you know, it's hard to believe that only a few weeks ago we were celebrating in the temple of Jerusalem. And now we are captives by the river in Babylon. How things can change so quickly. You know, here in Babylon, they know nothing about keeping the Sabbath. They have no respect or regard for the Sabbath. Here in Babylon, work goes on as usual. The Babylonians are busy shopping in the markets, Carry on their regular business activity. You will find them washing their chariots or working on their homes. Here in Babylon, the Babylonians crowd the stadiums to watch the athletic games or they pack the theaters to watch dramatic plays or they flood the casinos to gamble. Lord have mercy. Here in Babylon, no one worships God on Sabbath. Their temples are closed for they worship heathen and idol gods. They don't know that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is. They don't know that God commanded, them to Remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. It seems strange to be in a land that does not worship God or honor his Sabbath. He said, but worse still, some of our own Adventists, I mean Jewish people, have joined the Babylonians in disregarding and desecrating God's holy Sabbath. Mm. But most of us simply gathered by the riverside. Since we had no temple there, we assembled by the banks of the river, and we just sat down on the grass. Mm. Oh, we wished that we were uh, at the Jordan instead of being at the Euphrates. Mm. We went to the riverside to get away from our captors. We wanted to be alone so we could cry unashamedly over the tragedy of our captivity. And so on that first Sabbath in Babylon, we came to the riverside not to worship but to weep, not to make music but to moan, not to sing but in sorrow. There we wept when we remembered Zion, the writer says. We wept when we remember what happened to Zion, that holy city that had basked in the, in the light and the glory of God, that blessed city that was the jewel of the earth, was now a junkyard and a graveyard. We wept when we remember the beautiful temple of Solomon, the house of God, one of the wonders of the world, that now lay in ruins with its walls broken down, its altars destroyed. But more than that we wept when we remembered our sins were the cause of our captivity. When we were back home in Zion we enjoyed the comforts of God's blessing. We took for granted the services of the sanctuary. We seldom made it to Sabbath school and we passed up prayer meeting and we ignored the voice of the prophet preacher and we disregarded the word of God. Uh, We rejected every opportunity to repent, uh, passed off every mercy of divine grace, uh, overlooked uh, many divine blessings uh, and disobeyed the commandments of God. Yes, we wept when we remembered Zion and we wept when we remembered our sins in Zion. I find it interesting and important that even though Israel was beaten and broken as captives in Babylon, thank God they couldn't forget Zion. But let me admonish you that whatever trials and whatever tragedies and whatever tribulations you're going through, don't forget Zion. Zion is our only hope in the midst of hopelessness Zion is our only light in a world that is filled with darkness Zion is our ark of safety in the storms of life church don't ever forget Zion that is the church of the living God once you've been in Zion the church and the Lord has lifted you and touched you and strengthened you, and healed you, and forgiven you, and blessed you, and converted you, and comforted you. Let me ask you, how in the world could you forget Zion? God has brought us far by faith, can you say amen? amen. And yet there are too many who regard the church as just an ordinary place. They have no more respect for the church. No wonder we act any old way say any old thing and treat the church any old way Zion the house of God is a special place where we have asked God to to sanctify and invited him to meet us there and yet some of us act as if the church is just a hall or a theater but see we should remember the special significance of the church it is God's special place for God's special people we should remember the church with our prayers and our praise With our uh, service and our song, we should remember the church with our finances and our funds, uh, with our assistance and our attendance. Uh, If we would remember Zion all week, uh, when Sabbath arrives, uh, we would say like David, uh, I was glad when they said unto me, uh, let us go into the house of the Lord. And yet sometimes we ought to be like Israel in Babylonian captivity who wept, when they remembered Zion. I don't know, Elder Rock, sometimes we ought to weep when we think about modern day Zion. No, our churches are not physically destroyed. Our temples haven't been torn down. Our sanctuaries have not been seized. But let me tell you, there's still trouble in Zion. We ought to weep when we see the callous worldliness in the church. We ought to weep when we see internal strife and contention in the church. We ought to weep when we see Leodicean laxity and deadly indifference in the church. Uh, We ought to weep that we are not more active uh, in spreading the gospel uh, and finishing the work. Uh, We ought to weep uh, because we are still in this wicked world uh, and not enjoying the eternal happiness of heaven. Uh, I say we ought to weep when we remember the condition of Zion. And we ought to weep when we see our sins in Zion. One day when the time of trouble breaks upon us, we will weep when we can no longer worship in freedom or even meet in Zion. So let the preacher warn you that we better take advantage of the wonderful opportunities we have now. Every opportunity the church door opens before these privileges that we enjoy in Zion are all taken away. Well, the unnamed writer went on to say we sat weeping by the river of Zion. We were sad with sorrow and too sick to sing. But it's an amazing thing, he said, we still had our harps. We brought our harps with us. Our enemy had tried to destroy everything we had. But funny thing, we still had our hops. We may have been hurting and hopeless, uh, but we still had our hearts. Uh, We may have hung them on the willow tree, uh, but we still have our hops. Uh, oh, let me tell you that God will not allow the enemy of our souls uh, to take away everything from us. Uh, and when everything else is gone, uh, we still have the hops of hope uh, and the instruments of faith. Uh, When Job lost everything he had, he still had a harp of hope, can you say amen? Amen. And down through the scriptures, God reminds his people that he will always leave us with a harp of hope. So whenever the storms of suffering or the calamity of captivity come upon us, whatever you do, don't lose your harp. If you hold on to your harp of hope, you will find that you can endure any ordeal, overcome any captivity, triumph over any tragedy, and you can sing through any storm. I said hold on to your harp of hope and God will move any mountain, heal any sickness, Lift any burden, uh, solve any problem, uh, strengthen any weakness, uh, and answer any prayer. Uh, I say, hold on to your harp of hope uh, until the morning of eternal dawn breaks uh, and sorrow will be ended. Uh, Joy will uh, be eternal. Uh, Tears will be wiped away. Uh, Death will be no more. and Life will be eternal. I say this morning, hold on to your harp of hope. The unnamed writer went on to say that as we sat in sadness by that Babylonian riverside with our harps hung on willow trees in silence and our hearts hurting in sorrow, our Babylonian captives, the very enemy that had defeated and destroyed us, came where we are and they added insult to injury. They saw us with our heads down, our spirits crushed, our tears full eyes, and yet they ridiculed us by requiring us to sing them one of the songs of Zion. They said to us, we saw your magnificent temple before we destroyed it, and our ambassadors told us of your marvelous choir With their melodious music, they told us that you Jehovah worshipers uh, produce and perform some of the best sacred music in all the land. So we want you to sing us one of your songs of Zion. Sing us one of your hymns uh, of worship. Uh, Sing us one of your sacred musical masterpieces. But Israel replied to their revilers, saying, How can we sing the Lord's song?" in a strange land. How can we sing the Lord's song under these cruel circumstances uh, and this captive condition here in Babylon. uh, How can we sing the Lord's song Uh, when our city is in shambles, uh, our temples are torn down, uh, our homes are shattered, uh, and our people are slain. Uh, You have conquered and captured us uh, and you want us to sing you a song. Uh, You've beaten and broken us down uh, and you want us to sing you a song. Uh, You've devastated and destroyed us uh, and you have the nerve to want us to sing you a song well we have no song to sing. Uh, Our harps are silent. Uh, Our voices are soundless. Uh, Our joy is gone. Uh, Our melody is mute uh, and we have no song to sing. Besides we want to tell y'all that the songs of Zion are not for entertainment but they're for the praise and the glory of God. The songs of Zion belong in the temple in Jerusalem and not by the river of Babylon. The songs of Zion are for joyous worship celebration and not for the sadness of slavery. So how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? How can we raise our voices when we are victims? How can we make music when we are miserable? How in the world... Do you expect us to sing the Lord's song? Well, we can understand how Israel felt in Babylon being ridiculed by their enemies, being taunted by their captors. They were in a sorry, sad situation in a strange and hostile land. But I want to twist the sermon because I cannot completely agree with Israel's response and reaction. You see, people who have A connection with God will have a song under any circumstance. The blessed hope of the gospel gives us a song for every sadness, a melody for every mood, a harmony for every horror, and a tune for every taunt. A real Christian should have a song suited to any and every situation of life. We used to hear them old folk moaning them songs because it got them through, is that right? To be conquered and caught and captured without a song is not only disastrous, but it is the ultimate sign of defeat and designation. You see, singing can uplift the soul in an unsettling circumstance. Singing is soothing to hurt hearts. Singing waters the tap roots of the soul. I don't know if you knew it, but singing makes Babylon more bearable. And sometimes God calls for his people to sing in strange lands, in trying times, and under cruel conditions. Sometimes you've got to sing the Lord's song in a strange land. Well over 300 years ago, our black African forefathers were caught, captured, and brought to a strange land in suffering slavery. They had to endure the middle passage on those cramped slave ships. But let me tell you that when it was all over, they learned to sing the Lord's song in this American land. Oh, y'all hear me this morning. Uh, From the banks of the Mississippi, uh, black slaves found hope in a song. Uh, They found strength in a song. Uh, They found personal identity in a song. Uh, They found a reason to live in a song. Uh, Why, they even found Jesus in the song. Oh, some of us may have forgotten that song now. But we learned to sing the Lord's song in a strange land. Don't get mad at me, it wasn't rhythm and blues that brought us through. It wasn't rock and roll that brought us through. It wasn't jazz or hip hop that brought us through. It wasn't rock or rap that brought us through. It was the soulful spirituals of the Lord's song that brought us through. We cried unto the Lord in the midst of our captivity and slavery and before God gave us deliverance, he gave us a song in the midst of our sorrow and we learned to sing the Lord's song in a strange land. Oh, our black foreparents didn't hang up their harps. They didn't moan in misery. They didn't falter in failure. God gave them a song for their sorrow A harmony for their hurts and a melody for their misery. And when they were sold on the auction block, they sang sometimes, I feel like a motherless child. When they were in sorrow over their slavery situation, they'd sing, I've been mucked and I've been scorned. When they prayed for deliverance, they said, go down Moses' Way down yonder and tell all my people to let my people go. They sang, Didn't my Lord deliver Daniel? Then why don't he deliver me? When they long for freedom, they'd sing, oh, freedom over me. And before I'd be a slave, I'd be buried in my grave and go home to my Lord and be free. When they were discouraged and dejected, they'd sing, there's a bright side somewhere. Don't you rest until you find it. When they were marched off early in the morning to the fields of labor, they'd sing, I'm tramping, tramping. Uh, Trying to make heaven my home Uh, When they walk barefoot uh, in the cotton fields uh, They sing I got shoes and you got shoes And all God's children got shoes And when I get to heaven I'm gonna put on my shoes And walk all over God's heaven Uh, When they were whipped and wounded uh, from the master's whip uh, They'd sing there's a bomb in Gilead uh, to heal the wounded soul, uh, and when they thought about heaven uh, and eternal life, uh, they'd sing swing low, uh, sweet chariot, I'm uh, for to carry me home. Yeah. Those soulful spirituals yeah. reveal the rich culture, the basic beauty, the colorful creativity, and the unique. The unusual uniqueness of our black religious experience and heritage as black slaves grapple for an understanding of God in the strange context of their slavery situation before God liberated from them from slavery he gave them a song of liberation and he gave them a melody of amazing grace those stirring spirituals reflect the terrible past of slavery and the long fought battle for freedom but I want you to know that those sacred spirituals still speak to us today they echo the continuing problems and perplexities of our present predicament we got a white black man in the White House but we still got racism as I write they speak of a heavenly hope for the future when righteousness will run down like a mighty stream uh, and justice like a mighty water, those spirituals contained a theology of hope and liberation that in spite of our hardships and headaches, uh, God is on the side of the oppressed and the enslaved. And so our ancestors learned to sing the Lord's song in a strange land. In fact, according to Psalm 40, verse 3, the Bible says he put a new song in our mouth to praise him. But Israel cried, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Oh, if I could, I'd tell Israel, drive your tears. Lift up your harps and sing the Lord's song even in a strange land. For if you will sing the Lord's song and wait upon the Lord, he will renew your strength. If you'll sing the Lord's song, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. If you sing the Lord's song, the plumber said I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto in me and heard my prayer and brought me out of the, also out of the horrible pit and out of the miry clay and set my foot upon a rock and established my goings. He had put a new song in my mouth even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Amen. When I analyzed the requests of the Babylonians, despite their malicious motives, it wasn't a bad request. They asked to hear one of the songs of Zion. They wanted to hear an anthem of the Almighty. They wanted to hear the Lord's song in Babylon. They could have been like a whole lot of folk today who had no interest to hear the Lord's song. Uh, They could have wanted to hear rappers and rock. They could have wanted to hear hip and hip hop. They could have wanted to hear blues and jazz. But I want to tell you before I end this message that the world is dying to hear a different song. Our world is crying for a song of hope, a song of peace, and a song of love. Our world needs to hear the Lord's song, even in these troublous economic times. And the Lord needs people who will sing his song so that the lost and dying can find hope and salvation. And yet, there are hundreds of choirs, thousands of gospel singers and a flood of new gospel music I hate to tell y'all but only a few are really singing the Lord's song. (laughs) Many gospel singers are singing for money and are offering the Lord the mixed fruit of worldly popularity Gospel music, instead of singing the Lord's song, they they have mixed it with the world. And it's hard to hear the Lord's song in the midst of Babylon worldliness and musical madness. I, I want you to know that Babylon will literally test the fabric of your faith. So the question that I want to tell you is that we've got to sing the Lord's song the right way. The truth of the matter is we are all spiritual captives in a strange and hostile land. We may not be exiles in Babylon, or slaves on the plantation, but we are all captives in a deadly uh, situation, in a corrupt crime, written sin, written smitten world. In fact, you don't have to change your address to be in a strange land. It's all around you. Our strange land can be right in your own neighborhood. With people that love money, material possessions more than they love the master. A strange land can be right in your own house. Where loved ones and families are divided and communication has broken down and prayer has disappeared. Y'all getting a lot of quiet now. Unbelievably, a strange land can be right in the church. When the saints become cold and uncaring, critical and condemning and have schism right in the house of the Lord. But I want to tell you that we cannot afford to be silent without a song. We cannot refuse to sing of the goodness of the Lord. We cannot hang up our hearts of hope when the world is crying to hear the Lord's song. If captive Israel had sung the Lord's song in Babylon, many of their Babylonian captives might have given their hearts to the true God. And if we will sing the Lord's song in this strange and sinful land, then we would see hearts being hopeful, faith being made fervent, prayer persistent, love unlimited, courage increased, uh, praise perpetual, uh, joy justified, uh, conversion complete, and soul saved. Uh, let me tell you, Mother Life, it is our witnessing duty to sing the Lord's song in a strange land. So now the last thing I want to tell you is, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? How can we sing the Lord's song in this strange land, in Las Vegas, Nevada? Is it still possible to sing the Lord's song in this terrible, terrorist land? How do you do it? Well, let me give you three things and I'm through. If you're gonna sing the Lord's song in a strange land, first of all, you gotta know the Lord. How in the world are you gonna sing his song and you don't know him in all your heart? We gotta know him as creator and redeemer, we gotta know him in the pardoning of our sins. We got to know that he was stretched out on that cross. The blood dripped down and he's able to cleanse us of all sins. And then he invites us to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. We must know that he's able to do all things uh, according to his wisdom and power. Uh, we must know that he is merciful uh, and abundant in kindness uh, and goodness uh, and love for the children of men. Uh, we've got to know that he is faithful uh, and forgiving uh, and he's our best friend. We cannot sing the Lord's song Unless we have a continual connection And a loving relationship A loving living relationship with the Lord You learn to sing the Lord's song On your knees in prayer I saw a bumper sticker that said Men fight like a man Get down on your knees in prayer Learn to sing the Lord's song As you study the word of God You'll learn to sing the Lord's song as you follow your Savior day by day. You'll be able to sing the Lord's song when you can say like Paul that I I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. You really can't sing the Lord's song if you don't know the Lord. We must ever be getting to know him in the pardoning of our sins. Second thing, you've got to learn to sing the Lord's song the right way. You see, music is written a certain way. And the Lord's song is always sung in the key of love. There can never be any notes of harshness, hate, or hostility in the Lord's song. His song always rings with the melody of love. The Lord's song says that he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. This melody of love is not just sung to those that like you, but it's sung to those that dislike you. It's not sung, just sung to your friends. It's sung to your enemies. It's not just sung to those that love you, but it's sung even to those that hate you. And so don't just have the Lord's melody given somebody else. If you don't sing the Lord's song in the love melody of love, then you can't sing his song the right way. Amen. Then there's some folk that sing the Lord's song but they sing it out of tune. Right. They sing it in the flat of worldliness. they always flat, always off key because whirliness will always get you off key but then there are others that sing it with the sharp of legalism and with criticism and with self-righteousness. Some sing it off-key in doubt, while some sing it out of tune in disobedience. Some sing it too soft in spiritual sleep, while others sing it too loud in lasciviousness. If you're going to sing the Lord's song the right way, then we've got to sing it with the ring of righteousness and in the key of love. I'm about finished. Finally, finally, you got to sing the Lord's song, not only knowing the Lord, not only singing it right. Here it is. Here's what I came down to. You got to sing the Lord's song, not just with your lips, but with your lives. Oh, I just said it. You can't sing the Lord's song with your lips and live like you don't know the Lord in your lives. For we witness to lost souls uh, with not just with the song of our lips, uh, but with the song of our lives. Uh, oh, it's so easy to sing one thing uh, and to live another way. Amen. Oh, we sing all those hymns and all those gospel songs. We sing tears so sweet to trust in Jesus while we can't trust him enough to be faithful in our tithes and offerings. We sing give me the Bible and we never study our Sabbath school lesson or touch it on Friday night. We sing I'm pressing on the upward way and forget to pray every day. We sing we're marching to Zion and we fail to march to church or march to prayer meeting. We sing nothing between my soul and the Savior and we let people and problems get between us and the Savior. There's no dichotomy. Between the song of our lips huh, and the song of our lives. All right. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? We got to sing it like Paul and Silas Amen. in a Philippian jail. They've been put in jail. They were going to be persecuted, but they got to singing up there in that prison. Yes. They made so much noise singing in prison that it caused an earthquake when the angels started applauding. And the jailer came around and said, I want to learn the song. You got to sing the Lord's song like John Husk uh, as his Roman persecutors uh, were burning him alive at the snake uh, over the smoke of his burning flesh. Uh, they could hear a song, Jesus, lover of my soul, uh, let me to thy bosom fly. Uh, we can sing it like the great Protestant leader Martin Luther, uh, while he was hiding from his Roman persecutors, uh, sang from a German castle, uh, a mighty fortress. Uh, is our god uh, we can sing it uh, like our black african ancestors uh, in the midst of the most horrifying uh, and suffering slavery uh, they produced and sang uh, some of the most beautiful songs or uh, soulful songs uh, in those antebellum spirituals uh, that continue to inspire and bless people today we can sing the lord's song like the lord himself When Jesus finished the Passover feast and had instituted the Lord's Supper, he went forth to Gethsemane and Golgotha to die on a cross, but he left singing a song. For as he led his disciples from the upper room, they sang a hymn as they went out. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? We've got to know the Lord. Then we've got to sing his song with the ring of righteousness and in the key of love finally we've got to sing the lord's song not just with our lips but with our lives so if you know the lord and given your life and your heart to him then go on child and sing the lord's song in this strange land i don't care what you're going through i don't care what your problem is i don't care what your economic situation is sing the lord's song in this strange land sing it high sing it low sing it fast sing it slow sing it with your lips be sure to sing it with your life sing it in your worship and sing it in your witness sing it in the key of love sing it to the father above sing about the savior who died for our sins sing about the cross and its power to cleanse. Uh, Sing it when you're glad. Uh, Sing it when you're sad. Uh, Sing of good times. Uh, Sing it in bad times. Uh, Sing of the Lord's soon second coming uh, when he will resurrect the dead in Christ. Uh, Sing about the glories of heaven. Uh, Sing about the morning of eternal life. Sing it in the strange land uh, until we are translated uh, to sing with Him in the heights of heaven. What we're doing right now, we're just practicing. Practicing so we can get in a heavenly choir. Practicing so we can sing uh, like we've never sung before. Uh, We're going to sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. Uh, In fact, we're going to sing a song, uh, a new song, uh, a song that had never been composed, uh, a song that had never been written. It'll come out of the experience that we had, uh, how we got over And we're going to have the angels uh, tell the angels that they can't heaven's choir stand. Uh, We're going to take the angels' choir stand. uh, And the angels uh, will have to fold back their wings uh, and listen to us sing. Uh, We're going to listen to us sing. uh, And and like we, Augustus Jones, uh, we'll say, get back angels. Uh, You haven't been born again. Get back, angels. Uh, You haven't been rescued and redeemed. Uh, Get back, angels. Uh, You haven't been on the rough side of the mountain. Uh, Get back, angels. Uh, You haven't been buked and stoned. Oh, get back, angels. Because we've learned to sing the Lord's song in a strange land. You want to sing it this morning? Hymn number 636 says, let us sing a song that will cheer us By the way, in a little while, we're going home. In a little while, for the night will end. In the everlasting day, in a little while, we're going How many believe in a little while we're going home? Stand to your feet, stand to your feet, let's sing. Let's sing, let's sing the Lord's song. Let's sing it with our lips. And let's sing it with our lives. Uh, we ought to go out of here every Sabbath uh, with a song in our heart uh, and with a witness on our lips uh, knowing that our God has told us to sing his song in a stray land. Come on and sing with the 626. 626, let us sing a song that will cheer us by the way in a little while. Going. come on here, let us sing.
2: Cross the billows, foam. We shall meet at last when the. St- in a little while, we're going home. In a little while, in a little while, a little while we shall cross that billows foam. We shall meet.
1: Thank you, Lord, that you have come so close to us, that you have given us a song, a song of hope, a song of joy, a song of salvation. The song represents our experience with thee. The song represents how we can get the victory in Jesus. Amen. The song gives us joy in our footsteps. The song gives us motivation and hope for tomorrow. The song points us to the day when Jesus shall come. When every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Christ and Lord and God. Now Lord, you've given us a liberal command to go out and sing the Lord's song in this strange Las Vegas land we got to sing it with our lives as well as with our lips we must witness to others of a dying risen and soon coming Savior now dear Lord somebody here today needs to first of all know the Lord somebody needs to know the composer of the song Somebody needs to let Jesus in this morning. Somebody needs to have a walk with Jesus and a talk with Jesus. Somebody here today needs him to bring you a song, bring them a song in their lives. As I make an appeal this day, Lord, as I make this appeal, I pray that there will be some that will decide that we will walk with Jesus and they will come close to him and that they will allow him in their hearts and in their lives. While you're still praying, there may be somebody here today that needs to have a walk with Jesus. Somebody here today that needs a closer walk with him. Somebody that may have strayed from him. Somebody that needs to join the Lord's church. You're not a member of his church. You haven't connected with Zion. And the Lord is calling you. The Lord is speaking to you. The Lord is drawing you today man woman boy or girl I tell you he'll give you a song that you'll never stop singing if you just let him in somebody here today that wants to join the church you need to get closer to Jesus today Would you simply raise your hand? Would you simply raise your hand? Or maybe you've strayed away from the church and you need to come back. I see your hand. I see two hands. Would you please, would you do me a favor? Would you just come on up front? Come on up front. Come on up front. God bless you. Come on up front. If you raise your hand, come on and give God your heart today. Somebody else. Somebody else want to join. Somebody else want to walk with Jesus. Somebody else want to learn the Lord's song today. Come on, you can do it today. Give your life, your heart to him right now. Come on, raise your hand and just come on down today. Today, if you hear his voice. Heart or not your heart. Maybe you've been trying to find a church to join. And this is the place. By letter, by baptism, by uh, profession of faith, whatever it may be, we invite you. We invite you to come. We invite you to come. Right now, Holy Spirit is calling you. Holy Spirit is moving. Holy Spirit is working. You can let him in right now. Come on, let him give you that song. Let him give you that joy. Come on, let the the war be over. Hold up the peace flag to Jesus right now. Somebody else? Closing seconds. Closing seconds of this appeal. Closing seconds of this appeal. Come on, you can do it right now. You can do it, man, woman. Boy or girl, come on for Jesus. Come for him right now.